I'm Sienna, the kid. I'm Sarah, the mom. Whether you're a young person wanting to learn more about these issues or their parent wanting to find ways to connect, we want you to join us as we tackle some important subjects. If you can't have these conversations in your household yet, we hope to help by having them here. Welcome to Queer Kids Straight Mom. Let's talk. everybody. Welcome back to Queer Kids Straight Mom. We hope you had a good new year. On today's episode, we are going to talk about pronouns. My parent listeners, I am marching into the metaphorical minefield for you. I guess I would start by saying that it's they, them pronouns that are the biggest challenge for people I know, people my age. I think if it were a matter of adapting to a child that switched from she to he pronouns, that that would be an easier adjustment. But I felt like this was worth talking about because I think that it is a challenge for a lot of parents and that makes it also a challenge for a lot of kids. So the majority of my friends are pretty open-minded, progressive people who completely support LGBTQ rights. We agree that respecting pronouns is the right thing to do, but they, them is not an easy adjustment. And I hope that having this conversation can help a lot of people kind of understand the issues that they have, the challenges that this presents to them and, you know, ways to overcome that and have conversations and um, get to a better place on this. The thing that you have rolled your eyes at the most, I believe, is the grammar issue. I know it sounds dumb to you, especially because you're growing up in a time when you aren't taught that they as a singular pronoun is wrong. I was taught that using they as a singular pronoun in a paper was grammatically incorrect. So I always use she slash he in my writing just because it's something that I learned to do and have always done since. I'm not saying that this justifies misgendering or disrespecting non-binary people. Just across the board with a lot of people I've talked to, that is a major issue. So how do you respond to people that have that hang up? Well, first of all, I mean, grammatical rules change all the time, right? Like we have, what is it, eight as of when I was in high school, editions of the MLA. And they're constantly making little revisions to the most appropriate way to do stuff. Same thing if you work in a newspaper, you know, they'll they'll take the guidelines established by organizations like MLA, but then they'll also be having their own policies about what's most grammatically correct and what's most respectful. And I get that people were trained a certain way um, growing up in school, especially when you were growing up. I don't know why they were so brainwashy with the grammar. <laughs> um, you know, I had I, I had some teachers who would say, oh, you know, don't use but at the beginning of the sentence or whatever. But I always found that my teachers were reasonably flexible. So I think it's one of those things that has shifted in kind of our pedagogical style. It's odd to me that people have such a hang up about pronouns when, again, like the, the best practices and grammatical issues change all the time. And frankly, I think that saying singular they makes so much more sense than saying she slash he, she slash he, his slash her. That doesn't make any sense to me. It's unwieldy. And I think 
even if it weren't for non-binary people existing, I think that it would be a reasonable change to make simply to make writing less unwieldy. I would also observe that a lot of people who claim that they have grammatical hangups about this, and like you did this um, for a while, like you'd say, oh, well, I don't know, I want to say she slash he. But the vast majority of the time, if you're just in kind of a colloquial conversation, you're going to say they. Because again, it's it's a lot smoother. It makes more sense in a conversation to say, oh, that person up there dropped their wallet. I'd better return it to them. And that person up there dropped his slash her wallet. I'd better return it to him slash her. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, for me, it was a lot more of an issue of using it in writing because I guess I didn't feel like it was that much more unwieldy because you're just, you look at it and see a word in an instant. In speech, for sure. I know there are times that I say like, they just cut me off in traffic or something like that. I think a lot of the things that I do in writing, which is like really making an effort to never do that, are a lot harder to do in speech. Um, I think there's actually an interesting tie-in here to accessibility and um, writing in general, like a formal tone. Um, Because a lot of things about a formal tone, as you learned it in high school, really were were designed for people who were reading a formal paper in a very conventional sense, um, because we, we live in a culture that really kind of idolizes reading and writing. But I mean, if you think about someone with dyslexia, for instance, who listens to audiobooks or has to have someone read things out loud to them, I think it then does become a lot more important for whatever you're writing to also make sense when it's read out loud. And I think that's a shift that we're coming to a little bit in in, in our culture of ensuring that even our academic writing is accessible to an audience that isn't necessarily um, familiar with academic tone or isn't necessarily consuming our writing in the way that we assume they will. Um, So I think that's an interesting overlap there is by disregarding some of these old, really strict grammar rules, we're also making things more accessible to people who um, that was never accessible for in the first place. That's an interesting point. I hadn't thought about that accessibility part of it. Um, I did, however, when you said, but it's in the dictionary now. I was really curious to see like what that looks like because... I thought this could be for for the people that are like stuck on the grammar issue. This could be really helpful mm-hmm. to see what like dictionary people have to say about this. So what Merriam-Webster says is the answer to that question is no different than it is for any other word. All new words and meanings that we enter in our dictionaries meet three criteria, meaningful use, sustained use, and widespread use. Non-binary they has a clear meaning. It's found in published text, in transcripts, and in general discourse, and its use has been steadily growing over the past decades. English speakers are encountering non-binary they in social media profiles and in the pronoun stickers applied to conference badges. There is no doubt that it is an established member of the English language, which means that it belongs in Merriam-Webster's dictionaries. I would also observe that... um, Singular they is something that writers have been using for quite a long time. I think it even dates back to like Shakespeare. Um, And if writers didn't use they, a lot of times they actually weren't saying he slash she, 
they just defaulted to he. So keep in mind also, I mean, that's something that we see in a lot of our legal writing, which which I always I always joke about. I'm like, oh, I, I'm non-binary and the law says he or he slash she, I'm exempt from the law. Um, <laughs> in a lot of in a lot of writing, it just defaults to he. And so really using they is also more inclusive of just women. <laughs> yeah. I think that we were, or at least what I always saw was he slash she. So I made it S slash H E because I don't know if that was my way of like making <laughs> sure that she still came first. I created my own word, but yeah. So that, um, you know, is case of people just needing to adapt to a new a language changing. And it's interesting that I think I think that it is that combined with a lot of things. I think that could really easily be used as an excuse, but it is something that I hear a lot. And another challenge that I have explained to you before that I've talked to friends about, and this is, again, not to be used as an excuse. And I certainly don't want anyone to use this to justify misgendering people. But just my experience in the interest of kind of putting this out there for this conversation is that you were my first child and pregnancy was a little terrifying to me. And finding out your sex after my ultrasound was really helpful to me in terms of seeing you as a person instead of this like parasite. I was going to say esoteric concept. Not parasite, but it really helped. Like all of a sudden this was she, not it. And that was really life-changing for me. So I have had to make this adjustment when that is what I've always known you as. And that being a really important part of, not that your gender is an important part of your identity to me, but that that was the first way that I humanized you. And so that was a really hard thing for me to adapt to, especially because as you said, we use they in a situation that's ambiguous. That's like, I don't know, like that person cut me off. They were so rude. Like, I don't know if the person driving that car is male or female or non-binary or whatever. I'm saying they, because I know nothing about this person. And so Using the term that I use for people I don't know for my child felt like very difficult, kind of like pulling something that I had relied on away from me, if that makes any sense. Yeah, well, I think it probably mainly stems from the fact that, I mean, using they, them pronouns for someone you know is very unfamiliar. Like, I don't think you really know any other non-binary people. Certainly you didn't, like, as of a few years ago. And I would say that's probably true for the vast majority of parents as well, um, or other parents, I should say. So it makes sense then that because you're not adapted to that use of it, it might feel a little bit weird. I guess my suggestion for other parents who might be struggling with this is, first of all, to keep in mind that this is, you know, your hang up to work through. And it's might be a valid hang up because parenthood is like a very real and complicated identity, but it's still your hang up to work through. Uh, similarly to having a kid come out to you as uh, binary trans and being like, but I thought I had a daughter and that identity of parenthood was important to me. It doesn't mean that that's an invalid set of feelings, but it should not be imposed on your child 
um, because you should never, ever make your child feel guilty or like they're hurting you um, for trying to express themselves. Um, But then the other thing I would say, just in terms of more practically kind of getting accustomed to it is you know, try to seek out non-binary people in your life, whether that's watching TV shows that have non-binary characters, which admittedly there is a tragic dearth of, but you know, that's okay. No, it's not. But you know, you can, you can find media with non-binary characters if you put a little bit of effort in. And I think that can be a really great way of humanizing non-binary people and humanizing they, them pronouns, or, you know, seek out non-binary celebrities. Um, There have definitely been a lot more people coming out as non-binary and using they, them pronouns recently. And I think just putting in that little bit of effort to find people that you will see as human and you will see, especially if they're characters, you can kind of develop an emotional connection with can be really helpful for getting over that hump in terms of seeing they pronouns as, as someone distant from you and someone you don't understand. It's fascinating that we put so much of what we know about a person or their identity into their gender. Obviously, that has a lot to do with society in general. That we would feel like a person is less knowable Mm -hmm. because we can't put them in one of these two neat, tidy boxes, which are not neat and tidy at all. (laughs) Well, it's something that we've discussed before on this podcast about how you take away being able to know someone via their, their sex, essentially. And all of a sudden they're scary and mysterious and probably a serial killer. Sex is a heuristic, people. So we have an idea in our heads of what sex means and what things are associated with someone's sex and how that is going to inform our relationship with them, especially with parenthood, right? Um, There are a lot of social conceptions about what it means to be a dad and have a daughter or be a mom and have a daughter and how that's going to define your relationship. And so it makes sense that taking away that heuristic can feel very confusing. But I do think it's really important to remember that like dismantling gender stereotypes means dismantling that heuristic. And sometimes that's going to be uncomfy. But, you know, like mom just said fundamentally you're you're basing your idea of your relationship with someone on their sex and that is not just problematic in terms of trans people but it's problematic in terms of gender equality too yeah fair point so another one that i've heard by very open-minded people is that because there's so much backlash from an element of conservatives against anything that challenges the status quo that they consider to be the only correct way to be Pronouns are one of those things that people have latched onto because they can frame it in a way that sounds ridiculous. I identify as a fill in the blank. Ha ha. That's so funny. Right. See that all the time on right wing media. This isn't something I think for the record. But do you ever worry that it's like too much too soon to tell people that they have to start stating pronouns and asking for pronouns when we're still trying to like get them to even acknowledge that the way they have always seen gender isn't correct? Like, do we need to let that idea of gender fluidity age a little bit before pronouns become a like required part of introduction and conversation? Or do you think that's another case of like, this is your problem, you need to get over it? This is what we call respectability politics. 
um, which is essentially the concept that you see it a lot, I think, with people of color. And you also see it with the rest of the LGBTQ plus community, where in order to gain acceptance by mainstream society, you have to conform to mainstream society and you have to prioritize their comfort and you have to hide aspects of your identity in order to make progress overall. And I get where that's coming from. But at the same time, like that mentality was used as an excuse for basically, you know, throwing trans people under the bus 40 years ago, or, you know, throwing lesbians under the bus in the women's rights movement or throwing, um, and this is still something we see today, but throwing feminine gay men under the bus and being like, well, look at someone like Pete Buttigieg. He can be all normal. I don't know if that's going to make it onto the Instagram. For the record, people, I just did air quotes. Um, Right. So the entire notion that to make progress for our group, we have to throw someone else under the bus or we have to assimilate into mainstream society. It's an understandable thought process, but it's always going to be at the expense of the most marginalized members of society. And some people might disagree with me, but I personally think that if you're not helping your entire community, then your movement is predicated on the wrong values. We should always be trying to help the most marginalized in our community. And sometimes that means that you might, you know, people might attack you because of it. And there might be a couple of battles that you have a harder time with or you lose because of it. But I don't know. I, I just don't think throwing people under the bus to make bigots comfortable is the right thing to do. And I want to point out, if someone is looking for any excuse to jump on you about pronouns, they're not someone who is going to be an ally if you just let the they them pronouns go. That's my two cents. Yeah, that's that's a really important thing to remember that every bit of progress comes from pushing a bit too far. And then it's like trying to get your car out of the snow, right? You go forward and then you go back a little bit, but hopefully eventually you get out mm -hmm. and it takes that lunge forward, even if there's a little bit of backslide in the process to ever make forward progress. How about the people that say, I don't want to state my pronouns because my gender doesn't define me. I want to be seen as more than my gender and it shouldn't matter. I've seen this. It's not necessarily from people who are refusing to recognize transgender and non-binary people. It's just a resistance to putting so much emphasis on gender. I think that feminists have fought for so long not to be defined by their gender to be seen as firefighters or lawyers or pilots, not female firefighters, female lawyers, female pilots. In an effort to be empathetic to that, what would you what would you say to women who feel like something is being taken away from their work to be seen as equal by putting an emphasis on stating gender? Okay, I'm going to be honest, I'm a little bit perplexed by that. Because first of all, a common complaint I see is actually about gender neutral language, right? Talking about the birthing parent instead of the mother or the nursing parent instead of the mother or, some, you know, all of that language that it tr tries to be more inclusive. I see a lot of women complaining about how that's taking away women's identity and their right to be mothers. And so I'm just a little bit, maybe this is coming from two different elements of the feminist community, but I'm, I'm, I'm just surprised because that's not necessarily something I've heard of before. 
because I think stating pronouns isn't even necessarily about stating your gender identity. Like, I think my gender identity is a lot more complicated and nuanced than just saying I use they them pronouns. I go through periods where I feel more feminine. I go through periods where I feel more masculine. And I go through periods where I'm like, I would like no concept of gender to ever touch me with a five foot pole. And just saying my pronouns are they them doesn't sum that up because it's not meant to sum that up. Pronouns can be a symbol of your gender identity, but they're not supposed to encapsulate all of the nuance and complexity of gender identity. It's it's just a way of how people refer to you. And it's confusing to me that women would feel that it's movement backwards for them to just say, I want to be referred to in this way. Like, if you don't want to feel like your gender is defining you, then say, I don't care what pronouns you use for all I care. Like, that's that's fine. But for a lot of people, pronouns do matter because they're that statement of this is how you respect me and this is how I encapsulate Um, my gender identity, and this is how I want to be referred to. And so it seems, I just, I'm struggling here. I'm not sure I understand the conflict when it's just a matter of how you want people to refer to you. Is that something that would be acceptable in an introduction? If I said, hi, I'm Sarah, I don't care what pronouns you use. Would that be seen as like, okay, that's what's an acceptable introduction, or would that come across as like disrespectful or mocking? I mean, you could probably frame it in more of like a, I'm Sarah and I use any pronouns or you can use any pronouns for me. That I, like, I know loads of people who say that. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that's totally within, within bounds. And if that makes you more comfortable and makes you feel like you're not being defined as a stereotypical woman, then, you know, absolutely go for it. As long as you say, I'm Sarah, I don't care what pronouns you use for me. What are your pronouns? Maybe that's something that would be really helpful. I think a lot of people don't know that, that that's a possibility, that that's an option, that that's okay. And so they feel like I'm supposed to like put myself in a little gender box when I introduce myself and make all the assumptions you're going to make about women. You know, like, Mm -hmm. I think that feels just a little bit confining to people, you know, a generation, even generation before me, I would say definitely like tinges of it on my growing up, that sort of fight to be like, I'm not just a girl doctor, you know? And that's probably something that like, doesn't occur to you who are lucky enough to have grown up in a generation that There's still a lot of problematic gender issues, equality issues, but, you know, nobody's surprised when they see a woman doing almost any job at this point, right? When I was a kid, it was still a big deal that they were like female astronauts. So I think that's just, yeah, one of those generational things that doesn't occur to you that somebody would think about that. And it doesn't occur to them that there's like, these aren't like strict rules that young people are putting on you that you have to follow. Like you can make it work for you, which is why these dialogues are important, which leads me to, I guess my last question I have for you is, do you feel like people your age are tolerant of their parents expressing these challenges? Obviously, it's been frustrating for you when I've talked about grammar or but I do think that we have always been able to have these conversations, hopefully without anybody feeling too dismissed or disrespected. Do you think that that is something other kids are open to hearing or 
Do you think there's like a mental block of like, nope, those are your issues. You need to get over them. Well, I think it depends on the kid, first of all, because I've always been someone who's reasonably comfortable with discussing my identity with people and going over the kind of political elements of it and the sociological elements of it. And that's just who I am. Um, And I'm the kind of person who's willing to be like, yeah, ask me the questions you have. If you don't understand something, go for it. Not everyone feels like that. And for a lot of people, it's really painful to be treated as, oh, you're non-binary, huh? Explain all of they, them pronouns to me and defend yourself against all of my complaints. And even if you're a parent who's coming from a place of compassion and love, it can still feel really alienating to have to be answering those questions, especially when there, you know, there are resources out there. There are loads of essays on the internet about why singular they, them pronouns are grammatically correct. And so if your kid is seeming uncomfortable or resistant to those conversations, it's not even a matter of not thinking that the conversations should happen or that they should be accepted uncritically. It's just that not everybody wants to be interrogated about their identity, even when it's someone close to them. Sometimes, especially when it's someone close to them, sometimes kids really just want their parents to be like, okay, I might not understand this, but I am going to go along with it because it's important to you and it's not doing any harm. And I want you to be comfortable and happy and I will educate myself on my own time. Um, I don't think that that should be framed as some kind of domineering or tyrannical, we can't talk about this, you just have to go along with what I want. It's just understanding that you might want to be connecting with them over this and having conversations, but there is a privilege dynamic at play where your kid might be really struggling with an aspect of their identity and intellectual conversations aren't what they need from you right now. So, like I said, marching into the minefield is my asking you every question that popped into my head as it came up over the years, what not to do. Well, like I said, I think it depends on on, on your child, right? Like I said, I don't mind. I'm I'm okay with it. I like arguing with people, in fact. <laughs> really? <laughs> um, and, you know, you can ask your kid. You can be like, hey, so I have some questions about this. Are you comfortable talking with me? Or would you prefer that I find somewhere else to educate myself? Like, that's a completely reasonable thing to ask your kid. And they'll probably appreciate it. Because there are going to be some, some people. I personally find it more fulfilling to feel like I have gotten somewhere across a conversation and feel like people aren't like shying away or like not wanting to talk about something because it makes them uncomfortable. Um, So I prefer having conversations about things, but not every kid is going to be like that. And so it's really a matter of knowing your kid and also being willing to ask them questions um, about their comfort levels and then going along with what they're comfortable with. So the best response is, okay, this is going to be an adjustment for me and I have some questions about it. Do you want to talk about it or would you prefer that I go learn about it on my own and then just go from there? Yeah, I would say that's a really good response. And there are obviously there will be some questions that are going to be unique to your kid, right? Like asking, okay, so I'm fine with using they, them pronouns for you, but how do I, if I'm talking about where I would normally say my son or my daughter, what should I say? Right. That's a personal decision. And that's something that your child very likely has thought about. 
And so those kind of personal things, I would say no problem asking them that. If it's about like the broader politics of non-binary identities, I would say, yeah, absolutely. Ask them what they're comfortable with and go from there. We should um, put some resources up on social media that you've referenced. There are all these places where you can go learn more about this or read more about it. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll list some of those. If you are a parent in that situation, you at least have a, a start on where to look um, if this conversation has come up or if you have a feeling that it's going to. Um, anything else that you want to add? I guess I would just say, and we've a little bit touched on this um, over the course of this discussion, But I think a lot of times people just don't understand how meaningful pronouns are to people with trans and non-binary identities. I've run into people who will be like, well, what if I'm like not comfortable using them? What if I, what if I prefer blah, blah, blah. And I just, when you're having that reaction of why is this person insisting on this so aggressively, just remember that it's a matter of feeling as though their loved ones respect an identity that they've probably thought about really hard, that they probably have struggled with a lot, that society tells them is wrong a lot of the time, that is often demonized, that they've been going their entire life not knowing how to articulate likely. And to try to confront all of that and just say, hey, could you please use those these pronouns for me and have that be smacked down with well, I don't like that. Why Why do you have to be right? Is really alienating and really destructive to your relationships. Well, thank you for being willing to talk about all of this stuff, not just today, but over the years. So I didn't step in it too badly by asking all of the questions that I have. I hope this has been a helpful conversation. If you have any questions, let us know, even in a direct message, that would be fine if you know you're not comfortable putting it out there for the social media universe next episode we are going to give you our top five lgbtq tv shows that have come out in the past year because we've seen a lot of other people's lists and had thoughts about them so we're gonna put together ours and make our case yeah thank you so much for listening as mom said if you have any questions i would love to answer them so uh thanks again Feel free to reach out in any way you're comfortable with and have a good next couple of weeks. All right. If you would like to hear more from us, follow us on Instagram at queerkid.straightmom, Facebook at queerkid.straightmom, Twitter at queerkidstraightmom, that's straight, that is spelled S-T-R-8. And if you would like to support us so that we can keep bringing you content like this, consider donating to us on Patreon at QueerKid, Straight Mom. And if you are enjoying our podcast, please rate, review, and follow us on your preferred podcasting platform.